So I'm going to um, uh, introduce our speaker, Ed Berry Jr., Jr., in just a moment. But I want to actually go into some scriptures about uh, finances and giving in general, uh, because this is really a, a first of a two-part um, series. And so turn with me, uh, if you like to, Second Corinthians chapter 9. And this whole chapter is just full of every verse is like, oh, that was good. Oh, that was good. Oh, that was good. And it's, it's really, it's really a, a teaching pastor, a passage about giving. Uh, the context is financially, but the principles are true in every area of our life. And I'm going to start at verse uh, 6 of Second Corinthians 9. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So that's just the uh, principle uh, of farming, right? And all agriculture exists because of that principle of life. And that's true of the natural things that we see in farming, but it's, it's true of our spiritual life, of relationships. It's just a principle of life that nobody can get around. I mean, it's a real thing. It's something that we want to um, be a part of in our life because it's true. The next verse says in verse 7, Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So both in this area of, of giving of, of time and talent and, and regarding dream team and praying about that, but also financially with this special offering, there's this is not under pressure from us. This is you purpose in your heart before God what to give. So this is between you and the Lord. You go into a, a time of asking God and, and as a married couple, you're praying together and you're talking about it and you're and you're discussing it and praying about it some more. And so um, so this is this is something because then when you say, yes, I'm going to volunteer in this ministry, I'm going to serve and get training and invest in people in this ministry. And I'm giving into this fund uh, in the in the special offering. You, you do it for God. You do it as a response to him as you've been praying about it. And that's where the cheerfulness comes. That's where the joy comes in. You're not being pressured. You're not feeling you know, Pastor Stephen's going to be watching me or if I don't. What I, I mean, you do it unto the Lord, and that's where the joy of giving comes from. I'm doing it because uh, he's leading me. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. So a cheerful giver, one who's giving freely, they have this release of grace in their life. That all grace may abound. So I want to uh, offer that scripture, say something about Ed Berry Jr. And we don't have to say Jr. every time. The reason we say it a lot is because his dad, who's also, uh, you know, Ed Berry, is our close friend, senior pastor of the Henry Christian Church. And um, uh, Ed Berry, Skip Berry, his brother Skip, Skip's son, Buddy, Barry, and, and now Ed Jr. I mean, they, they're all just close friends with Joel League, with Philip, myself. I mean, now, now going to years and decades of friendship and partnership. So we, we really have a, through a history, a closeness with Henry Christian Church and, and their leaders through the, the Barry family. And, I, and we're tight with 
Larry Montgomery, and he's leading our Israel trip and so forth. So it's just, it's just all good. But I have seen through uh, Ed's life, and, and Ed, he led, he led a um, men's event here, taught in a men's event about, about two and a half years ago. And hearing his story and asking him questions, there was a teaching, there was Q&A. There's just the favor of God on his life. This, that grace may all the more abound in, in every good deed. And I, I just, I want that for you. I want there to be this, these unusual open doors open up. I want there to be favoring connections that um, <clears throat> this doesn't happen even if you try to connect and happen and provide blessing. I'm, I'm looking at and asking that even today, as the, the spirit of generosity comes from the Father God, that you'll see that there's, a, there's a, a freedom, a cheerfulness, a joyfulness to be in the spirit of generosity like our Father God. And much of that is just, just obeying God in a way that he gets to pour out that extra grace. Having a generous spirit that we just read about, then he can pour out that extra grace and extra favor. And because that's what God wants to do. That's his heart. He wants to pour out extra grace, extra favor, extra opportunities and blessings. Ed Jr., Ed, come on up here. Ed grew up in um, Henry County, uh, went to Eminence School, played football, went to UK to play football. How did you do that, you skinny guy? You, how did you do that? <laughs> and um, <clears throat> out of um, uh, just following the Lord, uh, was a, if I got this right, a business major and an MBA. Got your MBA from UK as well in business, and um, uh, just followed the Lord as a young man. And uh, the, the favor of God started happening, and uh, the Lord uh, really blessed him. I've mentioned this before. Forbes magazine is probably the, the most um, well-known, impactful business magazine in our country. Every year does a special uh, series of, of, of an article for 30, under 30, 30 uh, leaders, business leaders that are, there are 30 of them, and they're all under 30 years old. And so just a couple of years ago, he was one of those 30 in Forbes magazine, uh, recognizing his uh, business in, uh, in, in the sports agency field and his success there. And so, uh, so, hey, it doesn't matter where you're born or what little school you grew up in, God can open doors in your life. And so there's no reason to, um, to dream small, right? but to dream big and let the Lord open doors for you. The reason I'm asking him to speak uh, on this specific topic is because he spoke here. Um, we, we looked at that. That was a year and a half ago. Yes, sir. A year and a half ago. And we hadn't had a financial series here in a while. And um, that is a responsibility of elders is to teach and disciple out of the Word of God, including finances, because it's just so common in our life and in the Word. And I said, let's, let's look at that for later this, this year. Well, pandemic was still happening and up and downs. And so I just said, listen, we just need to, you know, another day. And, uh, and this is that other day. And he had just as much excitement about uh, talking about tithing. And here he was, you know, 30 years old. 
and sharing with me his heart and passion for tithing and giving to the Lord. I'm like, I've never heard a 30-year-old, you know, talk like this. I just, this is so exciting. This is thrilling me. And so, um, there's God's going to open the door to have you back for this, and, and it is today. So, um, let's bow our heads as I pray for him, and we uh, get ready to jump in the Word here. Father, we just thank you that you are more than enough, yes. and that you... Um, are a God of abundance and mm-hmm. prosperity, and you're so generous yes. with your blessings of all nature, Lord, spiritual, emotional, relational, financial, it's just, it's in all realms, and so, Lord, we thank you that you're that kind of God. Yes. We're asking that your spirit uh, anoint the words that you've given Ed, Lord God, and that in that, Lord, our hearts will be uh, transformed as we want to follow you uh, in a spirit of generosity. Lord, bless him now. And Lord, open our hearts and ears to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't care all the amazing things that he said. Those are all fantastic. I guarantee you I'm still the old country bumpkin from Eminence, Kentucky, regardless of videos or accolades or awards or whatever. At the root, I'm a nobody from nowhere trying to tell everybody about somebody who could save anybody, right? I just continue to ask, God, would you give me more? Would you give me more resources? Would you give me more platforms? Would you give me more access? Would you give me more whatever so I can point it away from me and point it right back to you? So thank you, Pastor. Thank you guys for your kind words. I love Pastor Stephen and Delisa. Their their heart for the house. Every time I connect with Pastor Stephen, I just want to brag on him for you guys I I feel so connected to you like you guys are home to me because of him because of his heart for you because of how much he cares about you because of how much he prays for you because of how much he wears and cares and believes and is fighting back the enemy for you each and every day so thank me thank you for allowing me the opportunity to come and to share today to have your pulpit for a Sunday it's great to be back. I'm, I'm excited. I'm fired up again. I can't guarantee much, but I can always guarantee I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be hyped. Regar- literally, all kidding aside, I was sitting last night preparing. I, I can't win any 30 under 30 awards anymore. Now I'm an old man. I'm 32. You know, really, really old man starting to, you know, when I wake up and move in the morning, it's, you know, okay, 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 church. Keep me honest, keep me honest, keep me honest. But as I was preparing for this message to talk about giving, I was hyped. I was excited to talk about giving, to talk about tithing, because it's the, in the, it's the Word of God. If it's anything to do with Him, how could I not be excited? If it has anything to do with what He's spoken to me, to you, to how could I not be fired up? How could I not be energetic? As I was seeing my brother, I was thinking there could be a game today that you're interested in and how I wish I had a 1 p.m. kickoff so I could teach from Genesis to Revelation and keep you in here. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm blessed, honored, and humbled to be back here with you guys today. Any opportunity I get to talk about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I'm so excited. Got to give a special hi to Emily and Esther who are in Atlanta. I know they're watching and listening this morning. 
give you an update on us. So Esther now, Esther Naomi Berry, that's that's our daughter. She's one and a half. Um, and then we have a son on the way that'll uh, February 2023. Thank you. When I was preparing for this message, uh, what was really exciting me was I get to talk about what God's done in my life. I was reminiscing on all the things, the doors that he's opened for me, what he's been able to do. And again, that, that, that's if you're walking with the Lord consistently and you can't consistently give a testimony about what he's doing right here, right now, what's going on? Because as we've heard that we serve a good God. We, we serve a God that wants good for us, that wants life and life to be abundant, that wants to do as Ephesians so exceedingly abundantly. That's the God that we serve. So I got to sit down and look and write out and remind myself of the God that I serve. Pastor Stephen asked me to share a message that would align with this upcoming fundraiser campaign that you guys are doing in December. And so if you're taking notes, you could title this message today, If He Can Do It, for me, he can do it for him. If he can do it for me, he can do it for him. If he can do it for him, he can do it for me. Right. It doesn't have to be me in search of self. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. That, that's the God that we serve. That, that, that song from Elevation, the same God. He's the same God yesterday, today and forever. He used 13, 8. If I'm being honest. If I can be vulnerable with you guys today, for whatever reason, in my walk, in my faith, financial miracles were hard for me. They were hard for me to grasp and, and, to, and to understand. If I'm being honest, me, myself, I have no problem believing that God can heal. I got no problem. The blind, lame, mute, deaf, that, that, I got no problem with that. That's the God that we serve. But Jehovah Rapha, our healer, I'm with that. I believe, it don't bother me that I got faith believing in that. I can comprehend that. I believe it. I speak it. I claim it. It'll happen. But, but usually when pastors say, but, it's but God, right? Usually it's the buildup of, of but, but, but for me, this, this wasn't a good but. Wasn't a good but. Money, money was hard for me. But money was a different story for me. I, I struggled with believing in the practicalness of a financial miracle. I guess when I started to really think about it and when I, and when I started, well, why do I struggle with that? Why is that? I can't see cancer, but I believe that God can heal it. I can like, how, how is that? Uh, it was easier for me to believe that if God could do something in the supernatural that I couldn't see, I, I know you have to have faith to believe in God. So that was fine. I don't know how God heals cancer, I, 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 but I believe that he does. Right. I don't see and touch God, but I believe that I'm talking to him. I, I got money. Money's tangible, though. Right. Money's practical. I go to work. I get paid and then I pay my bills. That, that, that's practical. That, like, I work. I get paid. It makes sense. It's logical. I'm a logical thinker. Again, you have to remember all the folks that he talked about. I come from a family of engineers. I come from a family of practical, logical thinkers. We're number people at heart. My favorite subject in school always was math. My wife is a math teacher. My favorite, how could a rent check just show up? Right? I mean, literally, literally right? How, how could a physical rent check, how could a financial breakthrough just happen out of thin air? 
How could you wake up and your bank account says zero and then after Sunday service says a million dollars? How could, uh, because money's real, money's tangible. This, 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 money has to appear. Something in the natural has to take place. Something has to be done. People say, well, checks just show up in the mail. Checks just appeared. The electricity went off and then it came back off. Well, but, but somebody had to write the check. Somebody had to get their checkbook out and somebody had to write it and somebody... Had, it, it was something that I just couldn't let go and let God, if I'm being honest. If I can tell you the truth, I, I, I couldn't let go and let God. So here's where my story begins. This is where my story begins. February 2017. February 2017, Emily and I are going to go attend our first marriage conference down in Gainesville, Georgia at Free Chapel. One of our favorite pastors is Jensen Franklin, the senior pastor at Free Chapel, which is now where we attend in Atlanta. It was one month before our one-year anniversary. That year, the guest speaker at the marriage conference was Dr. Robert Morris, who is the senior pastor at Gateway, Dallas, Texas. Everybody's probably familiar with Jensen and Russ. I'd never heard of him. I wasn't familiar with him at that time. I didn't know his teachings. I didn't know his preaching. But we were just so excited to be there, so excited to be at Free Chapel. One of our first trips as a married couple, we were living in New York at the time, so able to get out of that 600-square-foot shoebox that we lived in. We were excited to be on a trip. Pastor Robert Morris preached two sessions that Saturday that absolutely rocked my world. Absolutely rocked. He made me feel like we weren't reading the same book. He, he, I, I was just like, I mean, like seriously, if, if, if he's preaching from the Bible and, and I've been reading the Bible, it must be a different translation. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm reading New King James and maybe he's like, but, but it ain't the same book. He, he, or if it's the same book, we ain't talking to the same God. Or, or the way that God's talking, I mean, because man, that dude absolutely rocked my world. He made me feel like I didn't even know what the Bible was that weekend. No way he's reading the same thing that I'm reading. It definitely ain't speaking to me like that. I've never thought of that this way. How did he see that? How did that, how do you get that revelation? How did that, I'm calling my dad on Saturday night at a marriage conference in the hotel. Do you believe this? Go go get your Bible. Go get your Bible right now at 9 p.m. on Saturday. Let me, let me teach you something, Pastor, because, because I bet you don't know what I know now. I I bet that you don't got the revelation that I got. Now sit down, get your notebook out. My dad goes, aren't aren't you at a marriage conference? What, what, what are you doing? Why are you calling me on Saturday? Aren't you? Go spend time with your wife. What, but no, but, but Dad, you don't get it. Dad, you don't understand. You, you have no idea. Needless to say, I was hooked. Needless to say, he had me. I was tuned in. I was dialed in. Just to set the stage, if you think about this, we're Christians at a Christian marriage conference. Right? Well, I, I, it's not like that I was going down there as an atheist, maybe getting tricked to be at a Christian conference. Like, I was a Christian choosing to go to a Christian marriage conference. My wife and I to put our marriage first to try to honor God. Like, right, like, like we're trying to do the right thing, trying to... I'm sure, if I had to guess, it'd be extremely similar to most of you all in here today. If I had to bet, 
if I if I said everybody raise your hand if you've accepted Christ in your life, I bet almost every person in here would identify as a Christian. But still, our lives were forever changed. But still, my life was forever changed. And the message today is yours can be too. Yours can be too. So we, we get up to go to church. We, we get up to go to the, the final service Sunday morning, that Sunday morning of the weekend. And, and, and Pastor Robert preaches a message and he entitles the message, the principles of first, the principles of first. He started off by saying, this is the most important thing that I can say to you. Well, come on. I mean, if this is the dude that just made me feel like I'm not reading the same book. And now he's going to drop a bomb on me in Sunday morning and say, this is the most important thing. Okay. Yes, sir. Sign me up. Let me get my pen and, and notebook and pad out. Let me, I'm locked. I'm locked in. You couldn't have pried me from my seat. What he was about to share changed Emily and I's life. It, I, I literally believe that it changed the trajectory of our lives. I'm going to try to sum up a couple of his main points and then I'm going to conclude with my story, with Emily and I's testimony of, of, of what happened. If you would, would you turn with me now to Exodus 13, little O-T, Exodus 13, verse 1 and 2. And then we're going to look at Exodus 13, verses 12 and 13. When, when, when you guys, I don't know, you know what, what translation or what Bible you're using, but, but in, in my Bible, when I look at the, the subtitle uh, in the chapter, a lot of times you'll see different, you know, different subtitles for, for chapters that you're in. The subtitle that I see in my Bible, it says, The Consecration of the Firstborn. Consecration of the Firstborn. Exodus 13, verse 1. Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me... Every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Verse 12, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. I want to hit you with three points. The first one, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Point one, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Go back to verse 13. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. Make sure you get this. The donkey, right? The donkey was unclean. The lamb was clean, right? The clean has to be sacrificed to redeem the unclean, right? The clean firstborn has to be sacrificed. The un- you, you see where we're going with this already, right? The unborn, the unclean has to be redeemed by the clean. Come on, church, right? If you don't give it to the Lord, you'll lose it. If you don't give it to the Lord, you'll lose it. But because remember what it says, you, you, if you break the neck, if you don't give it, if it isn't redeemed, you've got to break its neck anyway. So if you don't give it to God, you lose it either way. 
God allows us the opportunity to bring and to give to him. But if we choose, because he gave us the choice, if we choose not to, we lose it anyway. Why wouldn't we participate with God and bring it to him? It it takes faith to give the first. It takes faith to give the first. If you're a farmer and if you're a rancher, think about the Israelites, right? The Israelites had just made it through the desert. The Israelites were crossing into the promise. The Israelites had been through it. Slaves in Egypt split the Red Sea, being chased, war, battles. They're going into the promised land. And God says, I want the first lamb. Can you imagine being the Israelites? It's easy to say, I got ten sheep. You know, go ahead and take that last lame uh, chucklehead looking sheep that nobody cares about, right? Take that last one because I got ten. Nine will go with me. You take the chucklehead. That's easy to do. But God says, I want the first. He says, you got to bring me the first fruits. Why is this important? Why does it matter today? Why does it matter to quick, quick? If you and I, when we were born, were, were we born spiritually clean or were we born spiritually unclean? Right? Exactly. So when we're born in the natural, we're not born clean, we're born unclean. The Bible says that you and I are born in sin. We have a sinful nature. We're hell-bent on sinning. We have to teach our kids, I mean, come on, right? Now that I'm a dad, it's easy if we took up another poll. Do you have to teach your kids to be good? Or are they just naturally, yes ma'am, yes sir, come on guys, right? Come on. Right? Did you ever have to teach your kids to be bad? Did you ever have to teach your kids, mine, 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 mine? Or is it, Esther, would you please share that toy with it? No, okay, okay, we'll say, yeah. Did you, that's what we have to teach our kids to do. Jesus, who was clean, had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be saved. Jesus had to be sacrificed so we could be saved. Listen to this, church. Jesus was God's tithe. Jesus was God's tithe. It's the first ten and not the last ten. It's the first ten percent and not the... Don't talk negatively about the tithe. Jesus was God's tithe. I hear people say, oh, man, if, 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 I, if I didn't tithe, if I, if, I didn't, if I didn't give all that money to the church, I could have bought a, a, a new boat. If I didn't give all this money to the church, I, I could have had a lake house by now. If I did, I could have got a new this and a new that. Don't talk negatively about the tithe. Jesus was God's tithe. Giving the first ten redeems the rest of the ninety. Jesus redeemed all of civilization. One man. It brings the ninety out from under the first. It brings our ninety percent out from under the curse. Robert shared a story about his daughter. Robert Robert Morris uh, has multiple kids. But one story that he told about his daughter was that his daughter was a teenager and was dating. And so all the, you know, her little group of friends were at a movie. Uh, they were all hanging out. And one of, the, one of the groups said, could you imagine trying to 
date Pastor Robert's daughter? Could, could you imagine having to go get the approval of Dr. Robert Morris and the kids are laughing? Uh-huh. And, 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 and one of the kids said, I bet he'd even check if you tithe. Everybody started laughing and, and his daughter said, no, he, he would. <laughs> so the night ended. They go home. The boyfriend goes up to his daughter and he says, um, honey, uh, you know, usually I get my paycheck on Friday and I bring my tithe to church every Sunday. There was one week um, where I got my check on Saturday um, and uh, I, I forgot. Uh, and, you know, I gave it a week. I, 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 you know, is this a story and a message about a legalistic God that we serve? No, no. Right. No, it's not. But he said something that shook me to my core. He said, why would I give my daughter to a thief? Mm. Why would I give... Now, they're married. That couple's married. He's actually a pastor. But, you know, so it's not a bad thing. It's just, his thought process was, yeah, I checked. Yeah, I looked. She came home and asked him. He said, I saw that week that he didn't give on to... You know, but... but the moral of the story, the root of the story, isn't that we serve a legalistic God. He said, why would I give my daughter to a thief? She's special. She was bought at a price. She's a treasure. Why would I give her to a guy that can't handle her? Why would I give the approval to a guy that doesn't deserve her? Why would I? Amen. Right, church? We need more dads like that. We need men like that in our society. I remind Esther all the time that she's a queen. Esther was named after a queen. Esther's chosen. Esther's special. Esther was bought at a price. Esther's going to be a world changer and a difference maker because of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to give Esther over to a bum. And I understand she's one and a half. Can you imagine what I'm going to be like when she's older? <laughs> Buckle up if you're trying to come over to my crib and take out Esther. Come on. The second point, the first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. Let's look at Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Exodus twenty three nineteen says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. You can't designate the tithe. You can't pick and choose where the tithe goes. Right. You can't pick and choose. Where, meaning you can't dictate where the first 10% goes. You, you don't get to delegate where the first fruits are given. You bring them to the local church. You bring them to the church that you attend. You bring them to the local church. In that time, you were bringing it to the temple. You didn't give it. You brought it. You understand the difference? You bring the tithe because it ain't yours. You're just giving back to God what is His. You bring the tithe. You can give an offering. You can give an offering. You can give an extravagant gift. Your offering can be a dollar. 
Your offering can be a million dollars. You can give an offering, but the tithe you're bringing to your local church. The tithe doesn't even belong to you, so how can you give what isn't yours? Let me put it another way. This one, this one really helped me, because like I said, at the end of the day, I'm a country redneck from Eminence, Kentucky. So I really need it broken down to me in black and white, in simple layman's terms. If you don't tithe, you are quite literally stealing from God. You are quite literally stealing from God when you don't tithe. You want me to show you to it scripturally? Watch this analogy. Do you all remember Jericho? You guys remember the battle of Jericho? You remember the walls that came down, they tumbled down, marched around seven times. What was the significance of Jericho? What was the significance of Jericho to the Israelites? If I remember, that was the first city that the Israelites destroyed on their way to the promised land. The what city? It was the first city. It was the first city that they conquered. What did God say about the plunder of Jericho? Specifically, Jericho never said it again about any other city, right? You remember, you get it. It was the first city. It was the first fruits. It was the first fruits of the promised land. Bring all of the silver and gold. He could have said, bring 10% of the silver and gold and keep everything. But for the first city, he said, bring all of the first fruits. Then and only then will you all be blessed. Unfortunately, if you remember what happened, one brother didn't do it. Achan, right? Everybody else did it. But one dude was like, I don't think they're going to know, Pastor Right? If, if just, if I just take a couple pieces and a, a, a mug and a necklace and a chain. If I just take, nobody will really. What happened when they went to their second battle? So, do you remember Jericho, the spies, ten of them said, there's giants in there. We are not messing with those dudes. There's nothing we can do. And they didn't lift a finger and the walls came down. They then go fight a little lame city, Ai, and get whooped. They get whooped by Ai. Joshua 7 says they were routed by the men of Ai. Once it was discovered, once Moses, they all came back just like, dude, what are you doing? You know, Joshua's like, what's going on? And, and once they found out what had happened, once they dealt with it, once it was given back, once it was all, they then went on their way, whooped everybody. 37 different kings and kingdoms did they destroy to then end up taking. They won. They kept going. They continued isn't that amazing? I had never thought of it that way before. I had never seen it like that. That Jericho was the tithe to inherit the promised land. The first fruits must be offered. Look at Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Cain was angry and his face was downcast. Doesn't say first fruits. It just said Cain brought some fruits. Right? It also says after a period of time. Not at the beginning. Not at the end. But after a period of time, he brought some fruit 
after a period of time. He just brought whatever he wanted. He brought, it, he brought it whenever, any amount, whenever he wanted, whatever he wanted, that's what he brought. This alone, all the way back in Genesis, shows us that God's never cared about the amount. God's never, it's never been about equal giving. It's always been about equal sacrifice. One was a rancher, one was a farmer, one was a herder, one was a shepherd. God didn't care. He just wanted the first of both. He didn't care that one did this and one did that. God doesn't care if you're a farmer. He doesn't care if you're a banker. He doesn't care if you're a millionaire. He doesn't care if you're living on minimum wage. Never has it been about equal giving. It's always been about equal sacrifice. God says to Cain, I don't accept that. I only accept first. And just to make something clear, it wasn't just that he didn't accept it. God couldn't accept it. He couldn't accept that offering. Make sure that you get that God can't operate outside of himself. God can't operate outside of God's principles that he set up. Let me repeat that. God can't operate outside of himself. God can't change. He can't lie. He's truth. Truth isn't truth. God is truth. But he is truth. So he can't, he, he simply can't change. God can't get better. He's already the best. Some of y'all will get that and they'll bless you in the parking lot when you leave today. God can't get better. He's already the best. God is omniscient. God is all-knowing. God has all the knowledge, right? Like we, we know that. God doesn't think like we think. God can't think like we think. He knows everything. When we think about things, we try to figure them out. If I could just reason with God, God just doesn't see it the way that I see it. If, if God could look through my lenses, like, let me, let me try to get God to see it the way that I do. Think about how I struggled with financial miracles. I was trying to process and rationalize and think about it and make it practical. And God's like, just give it up and give it to me. I can handle it. But he already knows. God knows everything at the same time. Nothing has ever occurred to God. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> Nothing has ever occurred to God. God's never been driving down the streets of gold and said, I never thought about that. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad Ed keeps praying and bringing that to my attention because oh, the, the thousands and thousands of years that I've been here, I've never thought about it the, the way that that one Ed Berry does. Man, that's a nothing has ever occurred to God. Isaiah 55 puts it like this. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God can't accept Cain because God cannot be second. He's first. End the story. There is no second. He's first. He's the one. He's the way. He's preeminent. Let me give you a spoiler alert. This one blessed me. If God's not first in your life, He's still first. If God's not first in your life, He's still first. He still reigns supreme. 
He's still controlling it all. God invented giving to get greed and envy out of our mind. God invented giving to get greed and envy out of our mind. He invented giving to get selfishness out of us. He invented giving so we wouldn't be as give because you want to give. You think God needs it? <laughs> you think the dude that's got a cattle on a thousand hills, you think he needs it? Do you think that uh, like during COVID, a couple of the cows got sick? You, you think that the cows got COVID and, and he doesn't have a cattle on a thousand hills? Do you think that Jehovah Jireh, our provider, needs our resources and our finances. Do you think that's what he needs? I'm reminded constantly that I'm in a battle with a rock. I'm in a battle with the rock because the Bible says if I don't cry out and praise God, rocks are going to open up their mouth and praise God. God don't need my money. God doesn't need... We get to give, right? There will be no rock that cries out in my place, right? Because I'm going to be praising and proclaiming that He is who He says He is. He invented giving for us. He's always cared about us. Therefore, He'll always care about it. Jesus Himself said it's better to give than to receive. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. If it's good enough for Him, capital H, Him, it should probably be a principle that I put into practice in my life. The third and final point The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. Leviticus 27.30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruits from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. You tithe on your income. Pretty simple. How do you know what the first fruits are, though? That's tough. How do you know what the first fruits are? fruits are because it's easy to say if you're a farmer on an apple orchard and the tree that blooms first, that's the first fruit. That's easy. That makes sense. If you're a farmer and you're a rancher and the first lamb that's born, that makes sense. Well, but what about us? Most of us, that's probably not how we're paying our bills currently today, right? Most of us have a job. We're doing a paycheck every two weeks, every week, whatever it is. It's the first money that leaves your hand. It's that simple. Your first fruits, think about it this way, okay? Imagine that I have $1,000 in my hand and it's 10 $100 bills stacked up on top of each other. If, if, if I have $1,000 in my hand, what's the tithe supposed to be of that $1,000? $100. That's the, what hundred though? The first that leaves my hand. The first that goes out of my pocket. The first that goes before I get my groceries. Before I pay my car note, before I pay rent, before I, the first. It's that simple. The first 100 to leave your hands. God is the only one who can bless your finances. I said God is the only one who can bless your finances. I didn't say Christians are the only people that can be rich. I didn't say because you're a Christian, you're going to be rich. It's not what I said. You can make a lot of money and be miserable. Amen? You don't believe me, come spend the week with me and see some of the guys that I work with 
and work for that have millions upon millions and millions of dollars and are searching and are looking and can't find peace and got enough money to buy a piece of property all across the world but can't find peace. You can make a lot of money and still be miserable. You can be successful in the eyes of the world yet feel like you don't have anything. Why? Because God is the only person who can bless your finances. Make sure that you get this point. God doesn't receive leftovers. He can't. God doesn't receive leftovers. Do you know what the number one people, the number one reason people don't tithe? Could you guess what the number one, when polled, the number one reason why people don't tithe is because they can't afford to. They can't afford to tithe. Can I let you in on a little secret? You'll never be able to tithe until you tithe. You'll never be able to tithe until you tithe. Mm, That's a good one. Sometimes... It's the simple truth. It's the simple gospel. What do we do as a society and a church? We make things so complicated, so difficult. Jesus just says, I love you. Come as you are. Today is the day of salvation. You don't need to get cleaned up. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. Jesus just says, give. I don't care if you make $1,000 a week, $1,000 a year, $1,000 a day. Just give me the first fruits. God isn't a legalistic God. I tithe because it's in my heart. I tithe because I want to give, not because I'm legalistic. Can I be honest again? Can I, can I tell you, God isn't going to give you more if He can't trust you with what He's already given you. <laughs> God, I don't tithe, but if you just give me more, but that's not how. Think about the talents story. The parable about the talents. God is not going to give you more if He can't trust you with something so simple. Really quick, look at Exodus 13, verse 14. In days to come, when your sons ask you, what does this mean? What happened? Say to Him, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Why do we give? Why? Why do we still give today? Why do we give in 2022? Why am I going to keep giving in 2023? Because of the bondage of sin and slavery that God saved me from. We were slaves. We gladly give because we are free. That's why we tithe. We are supposed to explain to our children and their children and their children's children. When Esther comes up to me and says, Dad, why do you write this check every week? Why do you take this to the front? Why do you put that into the arm? I'm going to say with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. I wasn't who I am today. Your dad wasn't a good dude. Your dad was a sinner. Your dad was a slave to sin. But God, but God picked me up from the muck and the miry clay. He set my feet on solid ground. That's why I give. That's why I tithe. I'll give everything to Him. All my time, all my resources, all my dreams, all my desires, all my family. Because of what He gave to me. The song said it's more than enough. More than enough. So, conference is over. What do I do now? Right? 
But for me, the practical, logical math guy, what do, you, what do you do? What are the practical next steps? How many times have we been to a service, heard a great word on Sunday, but then Monday you go back to the same old, same old? Monday you go back to picking up the garbage that you left at the altar. Monday you go back to being like, well, I still don't got no money. Monday you go back to, what are the practical next steps? Like, what can you, I do what any good Christian does at a conference. I go to the bookstore. Right? I got to get a t-shirt. I got to get a book. I mean, what am I there for if I don't, come on church, you can laugh. We're talking about money, but you can laugh. You can laugh. I buy Pastor Robert Morris's book entitled The Blessed Life. Buy that book. So fired up. I sit down, flying back. I'm on the plane. I'm married, so I'm in the middle seat. Emily's got the you, yeah, Emily's got the window. I'm in the middle, sitting by. Who knows who I'm sitting by? And I open up and I sit. Person beside me, she goes, "What are you reading?" Oh, huh. Let me tell you what I'm reading. Thank you for asking me. I appreciate that. Right? I'm ten pages into my book. The lady says, "What are you reading?" That's when my blessed life started. That's when it started for me. I handed it to her. I said, this was meant for you. This wasn't meant for me. As much as I really did want to read that book. As much as I really did, right? So then I go home. I buy it online. Uh, you know, read it on an iPad or whatever. But the guy who was a penny pincher. The guy who struggled with believing in financial miracles. The guy who definitely would not say that one of my spiritual gifts was giving. I gave the book away and it's been on. Ever since, I haven't looked back. This has nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. I want to I preface what I'm about to say with this has nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. I've only shared this story one other time because, again, I never want it to feel like it's about me. I always want to point people back. To God. But please hear my heart. If I could just share my testimony and one person is affected or changed, it's worth it. We serve a God who went back and left the 99 to go get the one. I want to share my story and just testify to the faithfulness of God. So 2017, I told you we went to the marriage conference, February of 2017, July of 2017, I signed Aaron Rodgers, four-time NFL MVP, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP. In 2017, Emily and I gave 18% of our income to the church. In 2018, the next year, I signed Saquon Barkley, the number two overall pick in the NFL draft, the NFL Rookie of the Year. In 2018, I signed my first contract at the company that I work with at, at CAA. In 2018, we gave 19% of our income. And in 2019, we almost gave 20% of our income to the church. That sounds awesome, right? I mean, I think I probably deserve a round of applause. You don't have to do it. Not a big deal. But that sounds really cool, right? God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You're the, like, all those amazing, unbelievable things. 2020 is where it gets interesting. We all remember what happened in 2020. Leading up to 2020, at the end of 2019, Philip will love this. I am my father's son. So I'm sitting down in the month of December to plan 
by 2020. I'm planning out, God, what are you speaking to our life? What are you speaking for me and Emily? What, do you, what ground do you want us to take in 2020? What, what, I'm planning, I'm thinking. And I really feel God asking me to come out of my comfort zone again. I really feel God saying to me, I need you to do more. You've been doing great, but I want more. I want more in 2020 than you've ever done before. I've really felt like he was asking us to sow into 2020 and to give like we've never given. So December 2019, we committed to our plan for 2020. What happened at the start of 2020? March 2020, COVID-19 erupts on the scene. March, three months after March 2020, COVID erupts. We all lived through it. We all know what that was like. And at the time, I'm like everybody else. I wasn't thinking anything of it in March. What was it? Two weeks to flatten the curve? Two weeks to stop the right? I mean, it's two weeks of staying indoors and then we're going to all go back to normal. And now here we are two and a half years later. We're all still living through some of it. I was excited that our office got shut down. Heck yeah, I'm working from home. I'm going to lay in the bed all day. I ain't going to get dressed. Can you imagine how long it takes me to do my hair? I mean, like, think about that. All the time that I'm going to save. All the, I mean, like, all the, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to sit. I'm going to watch Netflix. I'm going to work on my computer. I'll do a couple calls. Like, this is fantastic. This is, this is, this is three months later. And my company calls and they say, we need everybody in the company to take a pay cut. We need everybody from top down to take a pay cut. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so this is serious. This this is this this thing is is man, I, man now now I'm not excited about Netflix on the couch. God, please end this thing soon. Can you please? I I I, I, I called my dad. He could back this story up. I was fired up. I was excited. My mindset. I was so excited that if the enemy was going to send a global pandemic to try and get my money to stay in my pockets, he doesn't know who he's dealing with. If the enemy is going to send a global pandemic to try and stop me and what the plans that God had for the money that I want to give, come on. You better buckle up, devil, because I'm giving. I'm fired up. I'm excited that the enemy is going to try to mess with me. No flinching, no hesitation. I knew that if he would work this hard to come against me, somebody somewhere needs this money. Somebody somewhere is going to be touched by this. There's going to be a major miracle that takes place because of this. Three months later, another three months go by. Get another call. Another call from the company. Another, you're not going to get a year-end bonus now. We need you to take a pay cut and you're not going to get a year-end bonus. First the pay cut. Now, no bonus. And just to give a little context to you all, because context matters in stories like these, it's extremely relevant for my business because, in theory, some people at our company, their salary could be less than their bonus. Your year-end bonus could be greater or more than your salary. Have any of you all seen the movie? You you guys can edit this out uh, once you fix it in post. Have you guys seen the movie Christmas Vacation? Yeah, it, whether we admit it or not, all of us have seen Christmas Vacation, right? I mean, we, we, we can agree on that. Do you all remember that part in the movie where uh, Clark thought he was going to get a bonus and uh, he got a Jelly of the Month subscription for a year? <laughs> Cousin Eddie said it's a gift that keeps on giving all year round, Clark, right? Right? He was expecting to get a bonus 
But they gave him a subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club. That old good old gift that keeps on giving, right? That's, that's, that's what he said. He said in the movie to his boss, he looked up at him and he said, people count on that bonus. That means a lot to a lot of people. People count on that and people count on that as a part of their salary because it happens every year. You could say the same for us. You could say the same for, for our company, kind of how we're set up. What am I going to do? What, what am I going to do? I, I call the man. Call my dad again. N- now I'm not fired up. Now I'm not excited. Now I kind of feel that this time it was different. Now I'm talking to my pastor. Pastor, would it be unfaithful for me to change what I committed to give? Pastor, do I have the grounds to give less? Things have changed. Is, it, is this an acceptable situation for me? Biblically, what, what, what do you think? He gave me sound biblical counsel. No question. Of course, you could totally give less. Things have changed. It's a global pandemic. You can 110%. You can totally change. I'm just trying to paint the picture for you of how serious I was taking this. Pastor wasn't joking when he said he's talking to a 30-year-old dude and I'm fired up about giving. I'm fired up about tithing. This is how much it has got a hold of me that I'm seeking godly counsel. Am I? Is this okay? I thought about it all the time. I wasn't messing around with it anymore. It was something that I constantly prayed about. It was and I am consistently asking God, would you show me people in groups that I can bless financially? I kept praying. And you know what God said to me? You know what he spoke to me crystal clear? God said, I knew. Two words. I knew. I knew the pandemic was coming. I knew people would lose their jobs. I knew people would be hungry. I knew churches would need resources. I knew that you would take a pay cut and I knew you wouldn't get a bonus. And I knew it the whole time. I knew it when I spoke to you in December 19. You could do it then and you can do it now. So we did. We ended up giving 30% of our income in 2020. God said it. We believed it. And that finished it. That was it. It was by far the most we had ever given. It was by far the toughest year I think some of us have ever lived through. And in December 2020, I signed a new contract with my company. In the middle of a global pandemic, in the middle of pay cuts, in the middle of no bonus, we ended up laying off over 25% of our workforce across the United States. And in the middle of it all, God blessed me with a new contract. His word was true in December 2019. His word was true in December 2020. His word is true today. Can I encourage someone today? Can I tell you about a God who chooses to exceed the need of his people? Is it okay if I preach a little bit about a God who can provide for your every need? Amen. Why share my testimony? Why share what God's done in my life? Testimony will help you overcome persecution. God can't do that. God's not going to do it again. Yeah, God maybe did it for Ed, but I mean, he, like, like his hair is amazing. Like God's not going to do it for me. God, God might have done it for, but he ain't going to do it for me. God's not going to. Within a testimony is the love of God is encouragement from God, is reward 
from the Lord. A testimony is just that. A testimony is a test of your position. Where you find yourself spiritually and carnally. I didn't give to get. We give because it's not ours. It's far better to give than to receive. My most favorite blessings as I've been on this giving journey have been things that no one ever knew about. That no one will ever know about. You know what I realized? What I realized before I started to give generously? I was choosing not to live a generous life. I was choosing not to tap in. I was choosing to give less than. Here's the truth. 90% of your finances blessed is better than 100% unblessed. 90% of your finances blessed is better than 100% not blessed. You'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. As I'm about to pass it back over to Pastor Stephen, one interesting statistic that I'd love to leave you with, you would be amazed at the percent of folks in church that say they tithe or, or don't tithe. Staggering fact, 5 to 7% of the church tithe. 5 to 7%. Aren't we the hands and feet of Christ? Aren't we the hands and feet of Christ? Could you imagine what we could accomplish if it was 50%? Can you imagine what we could accomplish if it was 30%? Could you imagine what God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond? Thank you.